Sin is an everlasting power that motivates us to live self-serving, disobedient lives. Sin's final payoff is death. We, however, have been set free from sin's slavery to live obediently under God's grace, whose end is the free gift of eternal life. Here is the reading. Do not let sin exercise dominion in your mortal bodies to make you obey their passions. No longer present your members to sin as instruments of wickedness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and present your members to God as instruments of righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. What then? Should we sin because we are not under law, but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you, having once been slaves of sin, have become obedient from the heart to the form of teaching to which you were entrusted, and that you, having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity, and to greater and greater iniquity, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness for sanctification. When you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. So what advantage did you then get from the things of which you are now ashamed? The end of those things is death. But now that you have been freed from sin and enslaved to God, the advantage you get is sanctification. The end is eternal life, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The word of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, this week uh, we get the second half of Romans chapter 6. Last week we had the first half of Romans 6. And if you recall... In uh, Romans chapter 6, Paul is answering uh, this question. So the question is, if the law was given not to deliver us from sin, not to make us righteous, but rather to make sin worse, to actually place us under sin so that God could then have mercy on us, should we continue in sin so that grace may abound? Should we make our sin even bigger so that God's forgiveness can be even bigger? Well, Paul's answer to that is, of course, no, and his reason was, if you're thinking this way, you're not taking your baptism seriously enough, because in your baptism, you died to the old world of sin and have been raised new in a new world, which is ruled not by law or sin or death, but by grace, by the gospel. Well, today, or this week, Paul is continuing answering this question, really, although now he's not so much using the language of death and resurrection, although that's always there in the background, but of slavery and freedom. Freedom, of course, is very important to us as Americans. Uh, Freedom is at the very core of our identity as citizens of this country. It's at the core of the identity of this nation. Uh, Right from the very beginning in the Declaration of Independence, uh, there is a a statement that uh, there is a fundamental right 
to liberty, to freedom. We, we hold this at the core of, of who we are as Americans. And I don't know how it came to pass that I get to preach on Romans 6 and Christian freedom on 4th of July weekend, but however it came to pass, I'm grateful and I'm not going to let it uh, pass me by. But almost immediately we run into a problem. And the problem is that freedom, as Paul talks about it, is something very different from the freedom that we usually talk about. And in fact, the freedom that we are celebrating uh, in just a couple of days on the 4th of July. Freedom, as Paul talks about it, seems almost like it it doesn't even quite make sense. And, And this passage actually can be almost hard to understand for us because it's so different than how we usually think of freedom. I mean, down in verse 22, Paul can say that being freed from sin is the same as being enslaved to God. That freedom from sin is the same thing as slavery to God, which seems like a very strange thing to say. I mean, after all, when we think of freedom, we usually think of freedom as uh, being freedom from anything outside us that would make us do something against our will. So to be free from, uh, in a, a political way, means to be free from tyranny, right? To be free from a ruler or a system of laws that impose something on you against your will, except as absolutely necessary for the good of the whole. Or uh, to be free in a uh, family life would be to be free from the uh, influences and wishes of those outside of you, except as those uh, reflect uh, who you want to be on, on your own, uh, in your own self. We usually think of freedom as autonomy, that is, being your own ruler. To be free is to be independent, to be self-ruling, to be self-mastering. In fact, if you read the paper that I wrote at the beginning of June, uh, I talked a little bit about this in that paper, but uh, uh, if if you're interested, you can go and look at that again. Uh, That's how we usually think of freedom, as autonomy, as being our own masters. But for Paul, there's never such a thing as being your own master. For Paul, autonomy is an illusion. You're always being ruled by something or someone. For Paul, there is no neutral middle ground in which we can stand and decide whether we want to belong to sin or whether we want to belong to God, on the other hand. I mean, Jesus says the same thing when he says in the Gospels, whoever is not for me is against me and whoever is not against us is for us. There's no neutral middle ground. Either you are a slave of sin or you are a slave of God. Freedom then means something very different than how we usually talk about freedom. Because to be your own master, to be free to do anything you want, whenever you want, when you want, to follow your own desires, to follow your own path, is more often than not actually a disguised slavery of sin. We've been taught that it's freedom, but really it's another form of slavery. In fact, it's even a more insidious form of slavery because you take that that enslavement, those powers outside of you, and you import them into your own mind and your own heart, and you become a law unto yourself, and that means you become a judge unto yourself. And that is not freedom at all, but slavery. You see, for Paul, 
The reality of the Christian life is not one of standing in this middle neutral ground and deciding, am I going to go over to God or am I going to go over to sin? To be a Christian means that in your baptism you have already been transferred. You have already been transferred from the slavery of sin to the slavery of God, from the dominion of sin and law and death to the dominion of God and Jesus Christ, the dominion of grace, of the forgiveness of sins. That in your baptism, this reality has already been accomplished, and so it only makes sense to live like it has already been accomplished. All of Romans chapter 6 then makes sense only when you, when you have this uh, deep conviction of Paul's uh, at, in mind. If you, if you lose it even for a second, things stop making sense, and it seems like he's turning you back to yourself to find that neutral ground in which you can make your choices, either for the good or for the bad. But it, it's not that way. I mean, so right at the beginning, verse 12, you see this uh, thing, uh, this verse here. Do not let sin have dominion over you, Paul writes. Do not let sin rule over you. Do not put yourself under the dominion of sin, maybe we could think of it like. Uh, the problem is, is it sounds like Paul's telling you not to allow sin to do something to you. Paul's telling you to choose to not allow sin to do something. But that's actually not quite what's happening here. There's, there's a problem of language that's hard to translate. In fact, there's no good translation for this. But in Greek, you can make commands to somebody you're not speaking to. In English, whenever I'm talking to somebody, say I'm talking to you, I say, uh, well, you need to listen, right? And I'm talking to you and I'm giving you a command. Or I'm, I'm talking to you and I say, well, don't do that now. And I'm giving a command, I'm speaking to you. In Greek, I can speak to you and I can give a command to somebody over here while speaking to you. And that's what Paul's doing here at the beginning of this verse. He's not telling you, commanding you to allow sin or not allow sin, as though uh, you are the one in the neutral ground choosing whether you're going to be dominated by sin or God. But rather, he's speaking to you and com commanding sin. He's telling sin not to have dominion over you, not to rule over you. He's, uh, maybe we could even think of it this way. Again, there's no good translation for this, but we could uh, think of it as he's saying what sin is allowed to do, or better, what sin is not allowed to do. Therefore, he says sin is not allowed to have dominion, even over your mortal bodies. Sin should not, must not, is not to have dominion over your mortal bodies. It's more clear in verse 14, he makes the promise, for sin will have no dominion over you because you are not under law, but under grace. Everything Paul says then flows from this one basic understanding that you have already been transferred from law to grace, that you have already been transferred from slavery to sin to slavery from God, and it is in this obedience, perfect obedience to God, that freedom is finally found. All of the talk then about presenting your members to sin or to God, and, and when Paul says members, he's sort of talking about the, the parts of you that are distant from you, the parts of you that aren't the core of who you are. So if you think about it in terms of your body, your members are uh, your hands and your feet, the, the things that if you want to see if something's hot, you don't put your face on it, that wouldn't be a wise choice. You maybe tap it with your hand, which again might not be a wise choice either, but it's better than your face, right? And so when he talks about members, he's talking about those parts that are maybe a little more distant from you, still part of you, uh, but not uh, sort of the central of who you are. 
So he says, don't present, even though you're, if you're over here in the dominion of God, don't present your members over here to be instruments of wickedness. Keep them, keep them over here with yourself to be instruments uh, for righteousness. This is all what he's saying. Now, the mystery of our faith and the difficulty of our faith is that, for the time being, these two realms, these two dominions, these two kingdoms overlap, and we find ourselves in both. By sight, we live in the uh, kingdom governed by sin and death and the law. This is what our experience is. By faith, by trust, we are already in the kingdom of grace, already governed only by the gospel which truly sets us free. This last verse, this famous verse in Romans, Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin, are, uh, wages of sin are de- is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ. That's all this is talking about. The wages of sin is death, and we experience that death in our very bodies, paid out in regular intervals until finally one day there will be a final payment on that death. But the free gift of God has been given already. The free gift of God is life. Life already totally and completely given to you in your baptism. Life even in the midst of a world dominated by sin and death and law. An eternal life that will outlive this world, that will outlive your own death until your only reality is an eternal life with God, your Savior. Amen.